Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Mac Dominic explores the foundation of our faith, and James Collins looks at what the Bible says about Jehovah's Witnesses. We are less than a month away from our next in-person conference. This is a huge conference featuring 12 speakers over two full days, Friday and Saturday, March 25th and 26th in Tri-Cities, Tennessee. Speakers include Dr. Larry Spargimino, Kamal Salim, Dr. Rob Lindstead, Michael Hoggard, Larry Stamm, Bill Federer, Greg Patton, James Collins, Dr. Kenneth Hill, Dr. Douglas Petrovich, Micah Van Hus, and Dr. Scott Stripling. Get all the details by visiting the events page of our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com, and click on Events, the Tri-Cities, Tennessee Mega Conference. Registration is free, but seating is limited, so register today, swrc.com. James Collins and Mac Dominic come now and examine the foundation of our faith that we find in Genesis. The book of Genesis is a book about beginnings. Within the pages of Genesis, you read about the beginning of the heavens and the earth, the beginning of plant and animal life, the beginning of human life, the beginning of sin and death, the beginning of the children of Israel, and the beginning of worship. Truly, Genesis is the foundation of our faith. Joining me to talk about the book of Genesis is one of my favorite Bible teachers and longtime friend of our ministry, Mac Dominic. Mac is well known for his documentary teaching DVDs, such as The Triumphant Return of Christ, Are We Building the Kingdom of God, Blood Sacrifice, and The Sons of God and the Nephilim. He's here today to talk about his three-volume DVD set called Genesis, The Foundation of Our Faith. Brother Mac, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. Oh, thank you, James. It is always, always a pleasure. Well, I want to talk about the book of Genesis. Now, over the weekend, my wife and I watched your three-volume Genesis, The Foundation of Our Faith DVD set. The first volume is subtitled The War Against God, and it details how Satan battled with God for the future of humanity. The second volume is subtitled Satan's War Against Man, and in it you teach about Satan's schemes and the fall of mankind. The third volume is subtitled From the Flood to Babylon, and you link the rise of the wickedness of mankind to the Nephilim prior to the worldwide flood. So let me ask you, why Genesis? What prompted you to put this teaching series together? Genesis is really the foundation of everything we believe. And quite honestly, if we look at the Bible as a unified, cohesive whole, it tells a story. And the story begins with Genesis. And the truth of the matter is, we look at Genesis 1 through 11, and that's the story of the beginnings of humanity. And then when we look at Genesis 12 to 50, we see the establishment of the nation of Israel, God's promise to Abraham, and all the things that go with that. The book is basically broken into two parts, and our three DVD set deals with Genesis 1 through 11. Well, let's go back to the beginning, Mac. Let's go back to Genesis 1. Now, there are those that disagree with us, but you and I believe in six literal days of creation. Would you elaborate on that? The Bible is pretty explicit, as a matter of fact. I really have some problems with the day-age theory. 
with theistic evolution and all the things that enter into that. Now, for those that don't know, the day-age theory is they say a day is a thousand years, so God could have used thousands of years in creation. You know, some people use that as a tool to work in millions of years because we, quote, don't know how long one of God's days might be, unquote. And then there are those that believe in the seven millennia theory, that the earth will go a period of 7,000 years. That's a little bit different story. And so you've got two sides of the coin there. But the day-age theory specifically could mean that each day that God recorded in Genesis could be millions of years, because we don't know how long it is. You and I, Mac, are both young earth creationists. Now, some will say that the earth is billions and billions and billions of years old, but just exactly how old is the earth? According to the Bible, we can say for sure it's less than 10,000 years old. It could be less than 6,000 years. The timeline of the ancestry of mankind in the book of Genesis is a little bit different in the Greek Septuagint than it is in the Masoretic text. So there is some question as exactly how old the earth is, but we can say assuredly it's less than 10,000 years old and probably less than 7,000 or 8,000 years old. If we're doing our homework and doing our study, we have to understand that there are good sources for that come up with different exact years, but the truth of the matter is we can be sure and we can have confidence and we can rest our faith on a young earth creation of a earth that is less than 10,000 years old. And that's where I will plant a stake and say that's exactly what we're looking at here. Well, isn't it true, Mac, that all the fossils that scientists say are millions of years old are a result of the flood of Noah? Well, scientists don't say that, but that's exactly the case. You know, you had this major, major event that totally messed up any organization of what they call the fossil record or, you know, the ages that the scientists come up with that say that, you know, you have fossils from this period of time and fossils from this period of time. You know, the flood would be a big contributor to those layers of Earth as well as a big source to mess up any organized theory based on those layers. The so-called science uses circular reasoning that says, well, we date the layer by the fossils that are in it, and we date the fossils by the layer in which they're found. And that is circular reasoning, and you can't really do that with what we would call scientific accuracy. As a matter of fact, when you look at the different layers that science uses to designate all this, we find that these layers don't exist anywhere in that order but in the textbook. There is nowhere on Earth that that really exists. Well, let's talk for a minute about evolution, Mac. I don't see how someone can say that they hold to a Christian biblical worldview and also believe in evolution. However, some believe in what you mentioned earlier, a theory called theistic evolution. What exactly is theistic evolution? Theistic evolution states that God used evolution as his tool to accomplish creation. And so, therefore, the modern scientific view of evolution 
if correct, and God used that as his tool to create everything we see. So thus, the universe is 14 billion or 16 billion years old, the earth is 10 billion years old, or whatever date they want to put on it, and mankind is hundreds of thousands to millions of years of existence. So that's where the theistic evolutionist comes in. But theistic evolution, if nothing else, has a real problem following the biblical account because of the fourth day of creation, which really throws a monkey wrench into theistic evolution because you can't have grass and trees and plants before you have the sun, moon, and stars. It just doesn't work that way if you're a theistic evolutionist. So, you know, anyone that I have ever met that claims to be a theistic evolutionist, that is the first thing I will always ask them. Okay, you say you believe the Bible, but you believe God used evolution to create, as is stated in the Bible, but how can you explain that in the Bible it says grass and trees were existent prior to the sun, moon, and stars. It makes absolutely no sense that plant life would appear on the earth on day three and the sun, moon, and stars be created on day four. And as some Bible teachers say, not only is evolution not correct, it's also not very smart to look at it that way because, especially if you're a theistic evolutionist, you're contradicting yourself before you get started. Well, there's also a belief, Mac, called the gap theory. What exactly is the gap theory? Well, the gap theory is a belief that there is an undisclosed gap between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Gap, millions, billions of years, and then the earth became without form and void. As a matter of fact, I had a friend that's with the Lord now that believed there was a pre-existent race of angels that dwelt on the earth, and the angels rebelled, and this was Lucifer's rebellion, and God destroyed the earth and made it without form and void, and then all of our Genesis account is a recreation. So the gap theory puts all of the ages of evolution between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. And I have a Schofield Bible. I use my Schofield Bible every day. That is the Bible that I read for my daily devotions. And I have learned a tremendous amount from Schofield's notes. But Schofield basically believed in a gap theory. Mm -hmm. And when you read the Schofield notes in Genesis, you see the gap theory. And he claims that on day four, the sun, moon, stars were in some kind of mist or fog that they didn't appear until day four because of the chaos that ensued when the earth was destroyed and recreated. And Schofield's notes also accounts for a pre-Adamic race that actually dwelt on the earth. And I don't know, I can't remember off the top of my head whether or not that was angelic, but I know my friend believed that it was an angelic race of beings that dwelt on the earth prior to the earth being destroyed and recreated in Genesis 1-2. Mac, it seems to me like the major problem with theistic evolution and the gap theory is that they're both based on death, and we know from the Word of God that there was no death until the fall. What are your thoughts? 
the question you have to ask is where is all the evidence? If man evolved from apes and there was life and death for all those 100,000 years or more or millions of years, whatever number they want to put on it, where is the evidence? We should all be dwelling on a layer of human bones and remains somewhere that they could find in digging down through their layers of earth that evidences all of this rise of humanity and life and death. And, you know, the other thing that we have to remember is if this was true and you believe the word of God when Satan in the garden told Eve, when Eve said, we can't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil because God said if we eat of it and touch it, we will die. And Satan said, thou shalt not surely die. Well, you know what? If there was an evolutionary process where Eve and Adam had ancestors, even if they were not totally human, if he had another name for them, Homo erectus or whatever name they want to give it, prior to Adam and Eve evolving to be the first humans, Eve would have never fallen for that lie because she would have been familiar with death and dying all of her life. Right. But Eve had no concept. He had no clue of what death was. She just knew that God said she would die and cease to exist if they partook of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. But she would have never believed that lie if, in fact, she had seen death all of her life. I'm talking with Mac Dominic about his excellent three-DVD set called Genesis, The Foundation of Our Faith. There are over four hours of great Bible teaching on this DVD set, and you can get a copy right now by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online, swrc.com. Now, Mac, let's talk for a minute about dinosaurs. What about those people who say that the young earth makes no allowance for dinosaurs? How would you overcome that objection? There are two things. Number one, we know from the Word of God that the flood came and animals were brought into the ark two by two. And so the major dinosaur population, we can conclude, was destroyed with the flood. Prior to the flood, the earth was quite a different place. It was enshrouded by a mist of vapor that watered the earth. The Bible tells us that in all likelihood, had a consistent climate all around the globe, and it was a perfect environment for the existence of the large reptiles. As a matter of fact, we didn't get harmful rays from the sun. You know, prior to the flood, human beings lived much, much longer than they did after the flood, and there are good scientific explanations for all of that. And so, number one, the climate, the environment on the earth prior to the flood was much more conducive to the existence of the large reptiles and the long lifespans that were required for the reptiles to grow as large as they did. So number one, that is the case. Number two, after the flood, as we go forward in time, there are accounts of dinosaurs. As a matter of fact, up until the Middle Ages, you see dragons, the accounts of dragons being slain. We have accounts of dinosaurs existing in the Congo into the 20th century, and we have written eyewitness accounts of that. So, so basically, the idea of the dinosaurs is, number one, 
the environment allowed a proliferation of the large reptiles prior to the flood. Number two, after the flood, the dinosaurs still existed. As we know, there had to be dinosaurs on the ark because God said they were. It said, and there was two of every animal after its kind. But the shorter lifespans in the environment did not allow the lizards and the reptiles to grow as large. And those that had the DNA to make them larger were wiped out by mankind in fighting dragons and perceiving them as a threat. So this is a perfectly logical, sensible solution for the dinosaurs. And so we do not have to come to the conclusion that the dinosaurs lived millions of years ago and they were wiped out by an asteroid that hit the Earth. They were primarily wiped out by the flood, but we know that dinosaurs were on the Ark and existed after the flood. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Dr. Carl Ball, but Dr. Ball has actually uncovered a fossil of a dinosaur footprint with a human footprint inside of it, proof that man and dinosaurs lived at the same time. Amazing. And I've taught through Genesis several times, and each time someone always asks me this question, they ask me, where did Cain get his wife? Sure, sure. He married his sister. <laughs> the thing is, you know, people say, well, you know, intermarriage, you, you, you can't do that. But listen, the human race was biologically pure, and there were no laws against it at that time. And if there were any laws against it, who would have arrested him? It is perfectly logical that he married his sister because the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve had these children that were named Cain, Abel, and Seth. And Adam lived to be 900 or so years old and had sons and daughters. So there was a vast amount of humanity that lived prior to the flood that is not named as such in the Bible. And obviously Cain married his sister. I want to have you back next time to continue this discussion. Thanks so much for being on the program with me today. Sure thing, James. Always my pleasure. Mac Dominic will continue his look into the war against the foundation of our faith next time. Today in the Resource Center, we have Mac Dominic's three-DVD set, Genesis, The Foundation of Our Faith. This set includes The War Against God, Satan's War Against Man, and From the Flood to Babel. Call 1-800-652-1144 and order your three-DVD set today. Genesis, The Foundation of Our Faith DVD set by Mac Dominic will be a blessing to you and your family. 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. I also want to ask you to please be in prayer for our new Studio 50 project. We are in dire need of a new recording studio. Most of the equipment we use to produce Watchmen on the Wall is outdated and we are in need of new equipment and software. Many of you were so faithful last year in helping us update our print shop, we are now asking you to help us with our recording studio. The goal is $50,000. Now, this includes all the needed equipment, software, and installation. I know that with your help, we can meet this goal. To support our Studio 50 project, simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And let the operator know that you want to help. 
You can also designate your gift for the Studio 50 project when you give online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you for helping us continue to proclaim every day that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Staff evangelist James Collins returns to the microphone to see what the Bible says about Jehovah's Witnesses. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. There is an explosion of cults and false teachers today. Recently, I spoke on this program about the false teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. After that program aired, I received many phone calls, emails, and notes asking for more information on this cult. The sect known as the Jehovah's Witnesses started out in Pennsylvania in 1870 as a Bible class led by Charles Taze Russell. Russell named his group the Millennial Dawn Bible Study and those who followed him were called Bible students. Russell began writing a series of books he called The Millennial Dawn, which stretched to six volumes before his death and contained much of the theology of Jehovah's Witnesses. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society was founded in 1886 and quickly became the vehicle through which the Millennial Dawn movement began distributing their views. Group members were sometimes disparagingly called Russellites. After Russell's death in 1916, Judge J.F. Rutherford, Russell's successor, wrote the seventh and final volume of the Millennial Dawn series, The Finnish Mystery, in 1917. That was also the year that the organization split. Those who followed Rutherford began calling themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. What do Jehovah's Witnesses believe? Close scrutiny of their doctoral position on such subjects as the deity of Christ, salvation, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and the Atonement shows beyond a doubt that they do not hold to biblical positions on these subjects. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael, the archangel, the highest created being. This contradicts many Bible passages which clearly declare Jesus to be God. Jehovah's Witnesses believe salvation is obtained by a combination of faith, good works, and obedience. This contradicts countless scriptures which declare salvation to be received by grace through faith. Jehovah's Witnesses reject the Trinity, believing Jesus to be a created being and the Holy Spirit to essentially be the inanimate power of God. Jehovah's Witnesses reject the concept of Christ's substitutionary atonement and instead hold to a ransom theory that Jesus' death was a ransom payment for Adam's sin. How do the Jehovah's Witnesses justify these unbiblical doctrines? First, they claim that the church has corrupted the Bible over the centuries, so they have retranslated the Bible into what they call the New World Translation. The Watchtower Bible and Tract Society has altered the text of the Bible to make it fit their false doctrine, rather than basing their doctrine on what the Bible actually teaches. The New World Translation has gone through numerous editions. Each time the Jehovah's Witness discover more and more scriptures that contradict with their doctrines, they have to change their New World Translation. The Watchtower bases its beliefs and doctrines on the original and expanded teachings of Charles Taze Russell, 
Judge Joseph Franklin Rutherford, and their successors. The governing body of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society is the only body in that cult that claims the authority to interpret Scripture. In other words, what they say concerning any scriptural passage is viewed as the last word, and any independent thinking is strongly discouraged. This is in direct opposition to Paul's admonition to Timothy, and to us as well, to study to be approved by God, so that we need not be ashamed as we correctly handle the Word of God. This verse is found in 2 Timothy 2.15 and is a clear instruction from God to each of his followers to be like the Berean Christians who searched the Scriptures daily to see if the things that they were being taught lined up with the Word of God. With all these unbiblical beliefs, how do you witness to a Jehovah's Witness? Well, there's only one place to begin with the person of Jesus Christ, whose deity is the foundation of our faith. Jehovah's Witnesses are unable to grasp the significance of Christ's death and why they must be born again to have their sins forgiven. Before they can put all their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, they must understand that they are not saved, which means that they are presently lost in their sin. The full deity of Jesus Christ can only be revealed to them by the Holy Spirit whom they regulate to commodity status like electricity or something. To the Jehovah's Witness, the Holy Spirit is a thing, not a person. How do you witness to a Jehovah's Witness? With Christian love and with compassion. Remember, they have been deceived and they believe a false gospel. Yet many have a genuine love for God and they are sincere in their beliefs. Don't be afraid of them, but let them know how much you care about their eternal salvation. Share your Christian testimony with them. Talk to them. Discuss spiritual matters with them. But don't allow them to conduct what they call a Bible study, which is actually a study of their literature. Be aware that they will not read any non-Watchtower literature or attend a church service. They say they will only accept what the Bible says, but their New World Translation has been altered to reflect their theology, and many verses in the New Testament that point to the full deity of Jesus Christ have been changed to support their view that only partial deity can be ascribed to Jesus. How do you witness to a Jehovah's Witness? Speak the truth in love. Direct your conversation to the person of Jesus Christ, and don't allow them to lead you down the path they want you to take, namely, considering how you can survive Armageddon to live on a paradise earth. That is not the gospel. How do you witness to a Jehovah's Witness? Above all else, pray for them. This is James Collins reminding you that the Bible says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Today in our Resource Center, we have Mac Dominic's three-DVD set, Genesis, the foundation of our faith. This set includes the war against God, Satan's war against man, and from the flood to Babel. Call 1-800-652-1144 and order your three-DVD set today. Genesis, the foundation of our faith DVD set by Mac Dominic will be a blessing to you and your family. 1-800-652-1144 or order online swrc.com. Tomorrow, James Collins and Mac Dominic continue their look into Genesis, the foundation of our faith. 
Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.